Rencast number three. Another crappy podcast production. Hi there, this is Alan of AtTheFair.com, that's fair with an E at the end, and this is the Rencast show number three, the podcast that proves beyond a shadow of a doubt that yes, anyone can have their own podcast. Now last time, we got an update on the contents of the Fall 2005 Regional Renaissance Reporter magazine, and before that, we interviewed some of the fine folks that make the Iowa Renaissance Festival possible. This time, we're going to be exploring one of the largest Renaissance events in America, the Minnesota Renaissance Festival. Now, this is a corporate event operated by Mid-America Festivals. They also do the Bay Area Renaissance Festival, the Michigan Renaissance Festival, and the Kansas City Renaissance Festival, as well as a Halloween event. The Minnesota Renaissance Festival is located in Shakopee, Minnesota, right down the road from the Valley Fair Amusement Park, and it operated weekends from August 13th through September 25th, 2005. The event itself has been going on for about 35 years. It actually opened as a two-weekend event by the Minnesota Art League back in 1971. It sits on 22 acres of property and was called one of the top 100 events of North America by the American Bus Association in 1999, probably because it's a good destination for them to load up all kinds of tourists and bus them out there. According to information from their press packet and website, uh, the comedy magicians Penn and Teller actually performed there during their early days, and in 1998, the world's greatest kisser broke the record of kissing the most people in a single day by kissing over 10,000 people. So there's a lot of interesting history there, in, well, as well as it just being a really, really big corporate festival. Um, one of their more famous acts is Puke and Snot, who started out performing there in the early 1970s, so anyone who's grown up around the Minnesota Renaissance Festival is certainly familiar with these guys, and uh, folks like me that got started in different areas didn't even know who they were, so uh, we've got a whole new generation of people coming up, and you've got festivals like the Minnesota Renaissance that have been going on where you know our parents could have been the ones growing up uh, doing that. 35 years is a really, really long time. I was like one when it opened. To give you an idea of just how big this festival is, in 2003, they report that they sold 92,000 turkey legs, went through a million cups, over 94,000 bottles of water, over 16,000 gallons of beer, that's the one thing that I have no problem believing at a Renaissance festival, over 107,000 gallons of soda, uh, 54,000 bread bowls, over 38,000 pickles, and 28 and a half miles of plastic wrap and aluminum foil. It's just a lot of stuff. So it's a, it's a massive event. It is uh, located not too far away from the Mall of America, and because of the sheer number of shops, almost 300 merchant shops and other types of booths, um, it's be become known as the Renaissance Mall of America, and it lives up to that name just very, very easily. It's just a massive, massive event. And in 2005, it was my first time to ever actually go to this festival. Even though I've been living up in the Midwest since 1995, it wasn't until, I guess it was uh, September 18th, that a bunch of us uh, decided to finally get down there, take a look at it, uh, see what the big deal was about, and talk to some people. Now, I don't want to make any assumptions and assume that everyone listening to this has actually been to the Minnesota Renaissance Festival. Like I said, I'd been here you know, over 10 years and I hadn't gone. So some things that I will point out, when we drove up to the festival, it, it really kind of felt like it was in the middle of nowhere. It was fairly nicely isolated, and we ran down some uh, kind of run-down-looking roads and 
passed a uh, kind of a check-in station, I guess a security hut or something. It was looked it was kind of falling apart, and some of the signage wasn't the best, and you know, I didn't really have a really good first impression. Um, we were also told about uh, you know the parking area. We got to go and pull up and and park in this massive, massive, massive. Uh, parking lot. I mean, it just went on forever. It was like being at Disneyland. And um, we walked up to the uh, front of the festival, and, and something that really kind of shocked me is, you know, there was a radio station set up, and these little uh, vinyl pop-up tents, and some big screen TVs, and a newspaper. Just all kinds of stuff was going on on the outside of the festival that uh, just really, really set the uh, the day off kind of uh, kind of strangely. It was not the good... You know, oh, we're going to a Renaissance Festival. Let's look at all the plastic tents and the big screen TVs. Um, but looking beyond that, they have a uh, opening gate, a large uh, castle-looking building. It's actually it's all wood, so I guess as long as nobody lights a match, you know, it'll uh, it'll defend the village. Um, but a very very nice, impressive opening area for the festival, and that's where the tickets are sold, and you enter into a nice. Com- compacted um, front gate area. It's a lot like the main street of Disneyland where there's shops on the left and the right, and it just goes on down for a while, then splits off in different directions. And once we set foot on the inside, it just really, really was neat. I mean, there was so much to see, so many buildings, so much going on, so much happening in the lanes, which of course is why uh, I got thirsty. Tell me your name and what you do here. Hello, my name is Fiston Dentalus. I am the Wizard of Ale. You make a lot of noise in the morning. How does that work? It works by opening my mouth. (laughs) Maybe we won't do a Renaissance Festival podcast. (laughs) This is much easier at the theme parks, you know. (laughs) Do a lot of people buy beer early in the morning? Oh, it's unbelievable how many people buy beer in the morning. It's the best way to get through your day. If you don't start drinking in the morning, you can't drink all day long. Unbelievable, isn't it? I've been out here doing this for over 13 and a half years. He's going to get it right one of these days. (laughs) Well, I can never remember if it's 13 or 14. I've had too much to drink. Have have you been selling ale that entire time? I have been selling ale that entire time. This is the only place I've worked out here. It's the funnest, the most exciting, and the one that you get to drink at. And the key thing, what got you interested in Renaissance festivals? What got me interested in the Renaissance Festival was actually the Shakopee J.C. We run the beer out at the Minnesota Renaissance Festival. And because of that, we get to come out here, have fun, harass people all day long. Oh, did I mention drink? Oh, well, I feel much better about buying beer here. Why, thank you, sir. Well, now we know how some of those 16,000 gallons of beer got sold, but uh, what about the 38,000 pickles? Who are you and what do you do here? Hi there, I'm Alan Klaus. I've been selling pickles at the Renaissance for almost 10 years. And I'm up here at the front gate selling pickles better than ever, singing a lot of songs, doing a lot of dance. We get a lot of improvisation. Come on out to the festival and get a big, beautiful, delicious pickle. And you never know what the pickle guys are going to do at the Renaissance. How did you get involved with Renaissance festivals? Uh, a couple friends of my parents years ago were out here and I was very young at the time but I had long hair and just started playing the guitar so I came out as kind of a wandering minstrel and uh, years later had my own band and eventually jumped up to Pickles about 10 years ago and I've been doing that ever since. And your favorite thing about Renaissance festivals? The energy, the love, the family. Everyone out here takes care of each other and we're all part of one big beautiful show. Hmm, selling pickles is a step up from being in a band. I never realized that. But I did realize there were lots of people just like him that were brought out to the festival by somebody, parents, friends, whatever, had such a great time that they were just compelled to get more involved. Whether they had long hair and 
should play guitar or not. That happens to a lot of us. And another thing that seems to be real common is this whole sense of family, the bonding, the friendships that happen. And it really seems to exist at Renaissance festivals, whether they're a large corporate event like the Minnesota Renaissance Festival or a small mom-and-pop tent show like the Iowa Renaissance Festival. It's really something you don't get at uh, most jobs or hobbies. And of course, there's much more to this festival than just pickles and beer. There's lots of great stuff to buy. My name is Dixie Brunet, and my business is Fantasy Finery, which is a children's shop. Fine attire for fun and frolic for children. I do character costumes, not the normal garb that is done by other people, but I do Maid Marian, Robin Hood, uh, Jester's, Cleopatra, which is probably not very Renaissance. But um, neither's Budweiser, and and we won't let them take that away either. <laughs> no, that's true. And I do um, both boys and girls pirates, and a variety of costumes, um, so children can make believe and be somebody that they aren't, such as a unicorn or a dragon or any of those kinds of mythical characters as well. Okay. And how long have you been doing this? I've been doing this for ten years. Okay. And how did you get involved with Renaissance festivals? Well, I was originally an English teacher, and I taught medieval literature for quite a while, and I love to translate um, medieval literature. I love to translate Chaucer from Middle English and whatever else, and then kind of my path kind of diverged, and so I ended up going to special education, and um, which I know, it's kind of unrelated, but it does, it really does, yes, yes, I learned a lot, and then um, unfortunately my husband died at 48, so I needed supplement to my retirement income as well as I wanted to do something that I really enjoy doing. And I've always sewed. I've always sewed my children's clothing, my grandchildren's. And so this kind of seemed like a natural. And I like to design. And I was originally a grant writer. So I used, you know, the run side of my brain. So I decided I'd better exercise the other side. So I figured that costumes and designing were a logical way to make sure that I had a full brain working at maximum capacity. And what's your favorite thing about vending at a Renaissance Festival? The people that I meet. They're the most wonderful children and parents and other vendors. And, you know, you kind of become a family at each Renaissance. In Minnesota, this is the neighborhood. And I'm the craft liaison for this neighborhood. And I work between the craft director and the crafters in this area. So if there's any problems... Uh, they fill out a little form and it comes to me and then I deal with it as best I can. If I need to, I go to the craft coordinator so that um, there are so many vendors at this fair that she can't really get around. And it just seems to be a good system and it works well. Excellent. And um, how can somebody find out more about what you do, your vending or your um, business? I have a business card and I'm also, I don't have a website. I haven't really wanted to go to that extent because I find that sometimes I don't have something made and people need it in two weeks or a week or something like that. It's real difficult for me to do that. I now have three women who sew for me plus woman who cut, does all my cutting. And we do it, we do this and then we do that and then we do the other thing and often when you get orders it's kind of out of context and you have to drop everything to fulfill an order and I, I simply can't do that. So I've gone to taking orders through my personal email which is largoscarlet at AOL.com. And I take a lot of orders. I do a lot of weddings and a lot of things just, just through people getting a hold of me personally.
Okay, thanks. Okay, you see what happens? I try to give her a chance to plug her business, and she doesn't have a website. I think Dixie might be taking this Renaissance stuff a little too seriously. That figure she used to be a teacher. I was always the kid in class playing games. And speaking of games... What's your name, and what do you do here? Well, I'm Charles Knutson. I own uh, McGregor Historic Games. And what is McGregor Historic Games? Well, we uh, research uh, games of the past, primarily games that we've been able to document in Europe prior to the year uh, 1700. Board games, dice games, card games, as well as reproductions of historic dice and uh, playing cards. What's the oldest documented game that you guys have a reproduction of? Uh, The one right in front of us is uh, Nine Man Morris. Examples of the basic board have been found in the Egyptian tombs, so it's about 3,000 years, but it was uh, played all across Europe during the Renaissance. It's kind of a complex version of tic-tac-toe, only rather than uh, winning when you make three in a row, you get to steal one of your opponent's pieces when you make three in a row. How many different games do you guys sell? Well, we've got a line of fabric portable games. Uh, There's seven of those currently and uh, a couple wooden board games and then a number of different period uh, chess, or excuse me, cards and dice. And so how old are dice? There are uh, records of standard cubicle dice going back as far as 700 BC, but there are other objects that were used like dice, like sheep knuckle bones that you know, go back uh, farther than we have records for. Uh, probably primarily used for divination and fortune-telling originally. How long have you been involved with Renaissance festivals? Uh, We've been uh, involved since 1989. We actually started our business, though, in uh, 1995. We started out as uh, street characters with a Scottish Living History Group. Which one was that? It's uh, Clan Tartan. Oh, cool. Um, Okay. All right, this connection. Um, and what got you interested in Renaissance? Um, well, my I had a history degree, so I already always had an hi- interest in the history end of things. Um, and then uh, we got involved with the uh, Clantart and the Living History. They thought of um, being able to teach people in a non-classroom setting was always kind of an interesting concept. Okay, anything, anything you want to tell people that aren't involved, that are listening about... Why, why they should be involved? Um, there's a huge amount of uh, camaraderie, both among the participants as well as the, the patrons, the people who come and play in costume. Uh, both uh, a lot of, during the day, uh, fun and fellowship, as well as some of the after hours, uh, fun and fellowship. Like we like to, we have a little potluck for our, our shop staff and we'd have dinner after hours and get together. How does somebody find more about you and your products? Uh, We're available online at historicgames.com. Thank you. There's the website address we were trying to find. Well, Historic Games has a lot of really interesting things, so definitely stop by their shop if you're at an event where they're vending. And if you're over 18, ask them to show you what's inside the cabinet. And speaking of pretty colorful things, uh, a recent issue of Renaissance Magazine actually had a photo spread dealing with the Minnesota Renaissance Festival, and there was one picture in particular that really stood out. It was a shop with just tons and tons of colorful banners and flags hanging all over it, so I had to go figure out just who they were. Tell me who you are and what you do here. Uh, I'm Andy Dobbin, and I'm the uh, flag seller. 
and my wife Maggie Dobbin is the uh, is the owner and artist here, and uh, the, the name of the shop is Maggie Dobb Flags, short for Maggie Dobbin. So it's Maggie's Flaggies uh, here at the uh, Renaissance Festival, and uh, she makes uh, glorious designs and uh, captures the whole wide range of the uh, the color spectrum and uh, sends it out to people all over the world. How long have you guys been doing this? Uh, she's been sewing, she's been doing this full time for six years and she worked at banner companies and for places that made giant inflatables and uh, found that she could make things better than the uh, commercial designs and uh, certainly her uh, product here in the shop uh, uh, confirms that and uh, so she's got a, uh, we do art fairs and renaissance festivals and keeps her sewing uh, some days it seems like 24/7, but she sews. Uh, <laughs> she sews well more than 40 hours a week to to keep up with the flag business. So. And how did you guys get involved with Renaissance festivals? Um, we were we were doing art fairs, and we were approached by the craft coordinator here at the Minnesota Renaissance Festival. Uh, thought that we would fit in, and uh, wanted us to have a uh, cart out on the grounds. And being of a certain age. Uh, once we got involved and got excited about it, we thought maybe we'd have more of a stable building, and we found this grand two-story building that allows us to display flags at two levels and throughout the building. So we uh, we uh, invested into a permanent site here, and we hope it stays this way. <laughs> and flag lovers everywhere hope so, too. Now, you know those places you can go to at a theme park or county fair where you get to put on costumes and go into a set and they take your uh, picture and it comes out looking all nice and neat like you're a gunslinger or whatever? Well, Minnesota had a place that did that with Renaissance costumes. Okay, tell me who you are and what you do here. Hello, my name is Richard Tacker. I'm the manager owner of uh, Enchanted Images. We do costume photo portraits. And tell me, what is that? Uh, we dress fine folk in, in Renaissance dress and make their image. We have uh, tiny Venetian painters doing frescoes feverishly to make their image. How long have you been doing this at Renaissance Festival? 25 years. Okay, and how long were you doing it before? Oh, I've been a photographer for about 35 years. Okay, so here's the question. How did you get involved with Renaissance Festivals? Um, I began in San Diego, where there isn't even a festival anymore, um, and saw it in a local paper and, and applied and was lucky enough to get in and ever since I've been. Excellent. And what's your favorite thing about doing this at a festival? I think the people and getting to meet lots of different people and go to different places. I enjoy it very much. And where are you based out of? I'm based out of Phoenix, Arizona. That's hot. It's hot today. And how can people find out more about what you do? Um, don't have a website, but look for me at the Renaissance Festivals. And, and um, um, really, because I just dress them up, make the picture, and out they go. Uh, uh, don't have anything to sell on a website. So come, come visit our shops. We're in, we're in many shops, Enchanted Images. This portion of our program is brought to you by At The Fair Web Services. Don't have a website? Need a website? Give us 60 bucks and we'll fix you up so people can find you when they're not at the fair. Uh, <clears throat> where was I? Now, these types of merchants aren't the only places trying to get your money at the festival. What's your name and what do you do here? I'm Lindsay, and I work in the games at the Renaissance Festival. What kind of games do you run? I usually run the darts game. And uh, do a lot of people come out to Renaissance Festivals to play games? Uh, a lot of people do play games, especially after they've uh, had a few beers in them, yes. Yeah, you're getting there. <laughs> How, How long have you been doing this? This is my third year. And what got you started with Renaissance Festivals? My friend works here, I, and she just said, it's fun, come work with me. So, 
came on up. <laughs> Good deal. What's your favorite thing about working at this festival? About working at the Renaissance Festival, my favorite thing is getting to dress up and having large breasts. <laughs> it's probably it's our, true. our favorite thing. Too. Yeah, I know. <laughs> And this is why we say Renaissance Festival podcasting is like a box of chocolates. Okay, now moving on, there's also a little thing uh, at festivals known as entertainment, and the Minnesota Renaissance Festival has some of the best. So who are you and what do you do here? My name's Eureka Withers, and I do laundry. Do laundry. Is there a lot of, lot of laundry to be done at the Renaissance uh, uh, Festival? There's quite a bit of laundry to be doing. That man that did just walk by with a turkey leg, he needs it a lot. Don't be fooled by that clean shirt. I just put it on him. And where do you do the laundry? Well, at the washing well, of course. And how long have you been doing the oh, laundry? Well, I've been doing the laundry, uh, 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 some say since I was born, because I can't remember when that was. Uh, and uh, sometimes it does just feel like a year. How did you get involved uh, doing laundry for the, the, the Renaissance Villages? I got kidnapped by gypsies. <laughs> And if people want to learn more about your laundry skills, how can they do that? Well, funny you should ask. Actually, if you have magic fingers and a screen doth appear, you can go to washingwherewenches.com hither. Minus the H on doth, minus the E on come, and minus the hither. <laughs> she said hither. <laughs> oh, and we also talked to these guys. If there's warrants for your arrest, you probably don't want to say anything. All right. I'll see you later. There you go. Okay, who are you and what do you do? We're the London Broil Show, a show full of action. Full of adventure. Full of excitement. I tell you, we're full of it. Our show stops at nothing and stays there. Now, I should mention something here. Since some people, well, okay, most people, don't know what a podcast is, before I would conduct these interviews, I would have to explain to them just what podcasting was all about and what I was going to be doing with their voices. You know, how this stuff works on the Internet and how it wasn't regulated by the FCC like radio is. Of course, mentioning that podcasts were not regulated by the FCC was probably a mistake when talking to the London Broil. Uh, parents, if you have children in the room, um, it's not our fault if they already know this word. Three-man juggling show from Maryland and touring the world currently. Currently in Minnesota, part of the world. Which is technically part of the world. Yes, it's you're true. right. It's on the planet. I mean, yeah. do we need to quibble? No, we don't need to quibble, especially during this interview. I mean... <laughs> oh, yeah, you. by the way... This is podcasting, right? right? Yes, <laughs> right. Okay, so okay. we won't be chased down. And, and when did you get started doing this act together? We've been doing this shack together for the shack? This yeah, shack we together. have not been doing a this love show, shack this act, together. Uh, for about seven years now. Yeah. And how did you get involved with Renaissance festivals? We all grew up uh, five miles from the Maryland Renaissance Festival. And it infected us at a relatively young age, and we combined at different times into this formation. I played a lot of D and D. I'm partial to tights. <laughs> I wish I lived in the past <laughs> before my mistakes happened. <laughs> Like 83, that'd be fine with me. <laughs> and what's your favorite thing about performing at Renaissance festivals? Good crowds, good people. They always bring in a good amount of people and they're all ready to see a show. It's great to perform for them. While we are hermits during our real life, it's good to counter that with exposure to tons of people. Yes, yes. Yeah, it's, it's something like a career and we only have to work two days a week. And how do we learn more about you guys? www.thelondonbroilshow.com or www.shouldhavestaidincollege.com. They both go to the same place, which is my house. <laughs> we do a renaissance show, but he lives in the internet. <laughs> Louis mostly digital. Excellent, thanks. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye, guy. Hey, now don't say I didn't warn you. 
Now I gotta click that damn explicit content button on iTunes before I publish this thing. Darn it. <sighs> and what festival would be complete without a world-class full-contact jousting troupe? Now, I already knew the guys that did Minnesota because they do a lot of the events in around Iowa. But this was the first time I got to meet the woman behind the still. I caught up with her in her merchant booth where she was selling poofy shirts and drinking horns. Tell me who you are and what you do here. Barbara Michaels, Warhorse Productions. I do horns, costumes, and the joust. And the, oh, these things all go great together. Yeah, whatever you want. Oh, yes, they do. The horns help pay for the joust. Okay, now how long have you been doing this? Because 25 years. How, how on earth did you get involved with jousting? Well, um, I met Kelly um, at TRS. Okay, now who's Kelly? Kelly Bailey. And uh, he's coordinator for Warhorse Productions, and he and I own the company. And he had horses, and I had a craft business, and we merged. Okay. So now how did you get involved with Renaissance Festivals to begin with? Um, I was a craftsperson in California, and someone called me from Texas and said, you have to come out to this festival, it's great, and that's how it started. Okay. Now, tell us a little bit about, uh, about the jousting. Like what? <laughs> okay. what? What makes uh, these jousters different from, you know, the dozens of others that are around the world right now? Uh, we do um, a recreation of a 16th century tournament joust, the plaisance. Um, it's a sport, and the um, the joust is entertainment, as it was then. Um, the lance passes are are real. I don't want to use full contact because it's overused. Um, we don't cut the lances, but the rest of it is a show, and it's meant to entertain. Now, what are the lances made out of? They're uh, inch and a quarter inch and five sixteenths closet rod. <laughs> so, do, do, do your guys ever get hurt? Sometimes. They say not bad enough to stop. Okay, and it's always for our entertainment. Always. Right, right. So so how are they mentally? Because it just seems like if you're going to get out there on a horse and let somebody come at you with a with a pine rod, it doesn't seem like you'd be the brightest uh, sharp in the, the knife in the jar. Uh, they're adrenaline junkies. Okay. It's a big adrenaline rush. What's your favorite part about being involved with festivals? <laughs> Uh, I enjoy myself out here a lot. It's, it's, uh, it is work, however, and, and I see it a little bit as work after 25 years, but we still enjoy, um, we call it lack of marketable job skills to get a real job, so if we had to get one, I don't have any. <laughs> okay, that's a problem when you start doing something like this for so long. Yes. Now, where's the weirdest place you guys have ever jousted? In a tennis court. Was it a Renaissance festival? It was a very small festival in the Poconos in the winter time, and it was indoors in a tennis court. The whole festival. <laughs> I thought you guys were joking when somebody. You must have sent me that email and said we've done it in as small as a tennis court. Yes. Yeah, I thought that was, that was a joke. Okay. No, not a joke. All right. And how can we learn more about about you guys? Uh, from our website, uh, www.warhorse.com. Hey, well, what do you know? Another website. Good job, Warhorse Productions and the new writers of the Golden Age. Sorry about using the term full contact, but they really are. You should look. They're all beat up and dinged up and stuff and splinters everywhere. Oh, the humanity. Well, there's a lot more people that make that show go. I've talked to one of their squires, too, and he gets to do a lot of the grunt work. Um, and then there's, of course, the other people that make the festival what it is, the street characters, the folks that you encounter that, that make the village really come to life and 
uh, you know, the girl who roams around and sells roses and even the silent people in the background making sure we all do this safely, the, you know, the security staff. So this is going to be the first two-part Rencast because, what do you know, I'm out of time. So coming soon to a podcast near you, Rencast Episode 4. Minnesota Renaissance Festival 2. Darn, I bet on the Rencast. Until then, I, we appreciate everybody subscribing and hope you stay subscribed. Spread the word. The numbers are growing every week. And if we can keep growing, maybe one day we can have paid advertisement. Um, if you'd like to pay us to advertise here, uh, just let me know. Hmm. It could happen. And on that note, I think that's going to do it for me this time, so be sure to visit atthefair.com, that's fair with an E at the end, where you can browse over 25,000 digital pictures I've taken at Renaissance festivals around the Midwest, including this one. And if you want to drop me a note, visit anothercrappypodcast.com and send me some feedback. This has been the Rencast, show number three, Minnesota Renaissance Festival, part one. Thanks for listening. Another Crappy Podcast production. The music used at the beginning and the ending of this podcast is Packington's Pound by the Orcs and Trolls. To learn more about this and other equally exciting podcasts, be sure to visit www.anothercrappypodcast.com. If you'd like some print to go with this audio, be sure to check out the Regional Renaissance Reporter, a quarterly publication dealing with all things Renaissance Festival-related here in the Midwest and beyond. Now in its fifth issue, featuring a new magazine format and glossy color cover. Ooh. For more information, visit www.renreporter.com. And remember, a year's subscription is just 8 bucks, so don't be cheap. Subscribe today. If there was anything else we had to mention or plug, we'd be plugging and mentioning it right now. If you have something we should mention or plug, be sure to contact us, because we have space to fill. You want your voice broadcast over the internet on a podcast to literally dozens of listeners? <laughs> dozens? Well, we, we can only hope. <laughs> okay, then. I, really, we don't want the information. But I, I, I just got this we'll a couple of weeks ago, you see. That's a new toy. Yes. 30 minutes coming up now.